0: Hello, and welcome to the Warden FinTech Podcast. My name is Kian Asani, and I'm your co-host, along with Peter Jankowski. Today, we are joined by Brandon Krieg, the CEO and founder of Stash Invest. Stash is a mobile-first investment platform that currently helps over 2 million people simplify investing and saving through education and an intuitive user experience. Brandon has over 20 years of experience in the FinTech industry, most notably as co-founder of EdgeTrade, one of the first and largest electronic trade execution and software firms, and as head of electronic execution at Macquarie Securities Group. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. To start, I think our listeners would love to hear more about your background prior to joining Stash Invest. All right, cool, awesome.
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's, it's great to be able to share uh, the story of Stash with everyone. And you know, I, I, my journey in in fintech or financial services started. Uh, Oh, gosh, almost 20 years ago now. It's been a while. Um, and so for me, you know, I started uh, – I was one of the uh, early uh, people in the electronic algorithmic trading business. And Ed Trade was uh, started by two awesome guys, Kyle Zasky and Joe Wald, and I joined them. I was one of the first people to join the team. And we started building a business that uh, almost – I like to use democratized uh, – Uh, Trading, and this is at a time when there was very little computerized trading in the market, and you know it was really hard to not only get people to embrace computerized trading, but also uh, get the market to accept it. And you know we worked really hard for for years, and then in uh, 2008 the company was acquired by uh, another amazing company, Knight Capital Group, and I stayed there for six years after the acquisition. Uh, and continue to build it. And it was really cool when, when Edge Trade became part of Knight because I like to say we, we saw our baby start to really blossom. And you know, we were trading you know millions, you know, hundreds of millions of shares a day of stock, and and built quite a quite a large successful business inside of of Knight. And, and Edge Trade was already successful to begin with. And after six years, though, I left and took a little time off. And um, one of my old customers was at Macquarie and said, "Hey, would you want to come to Macquarie to help start?" Uh, a new type of electronic global trading business. And I said, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm really interested to to see what disruption from within would look like at a, at a large bank. And I joined there, and one of the, the coolest parts is that Ed Robinson, my co-founder at Stash, was already at Macquarie, and he was in London. He moved from London to New York to be my my partner in building out this, this new type of business. And, and that's kind of my journey up to that point, but it was always in kind of I, I like to say disruptive technologies in financial services. And then the magic day when we stumbled on the idea or the concept of Stash, you know, really set this this journey off. And and that's when Eddie and I uh resigned
0: to, to start this company. So what what was the impetus for starting Stash? How did the idea for Stash come about? Um what what were you seeing in the market that really drove drove you guys to Make that big jump. Yeah, I, for, you know, it was it was
1: it, it's a little bit more than that. So for us, you know, we 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 looked at we looked at the market and what was out there, and was we were sitting at our desk working, right? We didn't we didn't know exactly. How about this? Eddie and I knew we wanted to do something together, but we didn't know what it was. And one day, somebody who works in in a, in trading or research in one of the groups had gone over to Eddie and said, "I have some extra money. Where should I invest it?" And so we heard that statement and we're like, all right, this is interesting because here's a person asking a question about investing that does it for a living. What do we think everyone else says about investing? And when I say everyone else, I mean the masses, the, the, the plumbers, the electricians, the Uber drivers. What are they doing? And so, you know, we were mildly conflicted because we were, you know, we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. We also had, had jobs. And so we, we started really thinking about do we want to take a risk and, and quit our jobs to go figure out what a business for the mass market would look like? I'm not quite sure we knew exactly what it would look like, but we, we decided that we had enough passion and enough drive to, to, to take on this big challenge. So the first thing Eddie and I did was we resigned from our jobs. When we, what we really found out and what made the Stash journey really kick off is when we started going up to the pe- people in the street, asking them about investing and saving. That was where things got really interesting. So we'd walk up to just random people in the street, but not people that worked in the offices, everybody else. So think FedEx worker, Uber driver, Walmart employee. And we'd say, do you invest, do you save? Tell me about it. And almost every single person that we spoke to said, no, I don't. And so, But I really want to. And so when we asked questions of, like, why don't you, we always heard the same things that I really don't understand investing. I I never learned about it in school. It's really confusing to me. So I'm not going to do it now. I'll do it later. And we also heard, I'll do it later when I'm rich. And so when we ask people, well, tell us about that. What does rich mean to you? No one can answer the question. But what we did hear is, I don't know, but I'll do it later. So from an entrepreneurial perspective, if you're thinking about starting a business, like, like we were in this massive, massive underserved market, we needed to know that, people actually aspired to do it. And, and the first thing we really we did when we kind of figured out what we were going to do is we started looking at other industries that try to change behavior in a positive way, but not in financial services. And what we found is we found very sim- similar type of behavior at Weight Watchers. And Weight Watchers is effectively trying to get people or trying to help guide people to lose weight but the reality is you can't lose, you know, 30, 40 pounds overnight. You have to lose a pound. You have to lose two pounds. You have to work towards your goal. And so for Stash, the, the concept was let's take this massive group of underserved people. Let's give them access. Let's give them education. Let's drop the minimums and the barriers down so people can start. And let's let's add a layer of simplicity to investing because it's possible. It's not impossible to do that. And And that's kind of the... Founding story of Stash, and, and from there it's just been an incredible journey.
0: That's that's amazing. Um, so, what what experiences from your from your background at uh, at Trade and Macquarie do you think you you know really mm-hmm. leveraged then in starting and being an entrepreneur, or starting Stash yeah, and desk
1: Yeah, I think
0: the one thing that
1: I think a lot about is. One thing I learned over the over my career, and I know Ed says the same thing, is that it, it would be really hard to start a business like this out of a dorm room, because over the years I've learned about the importance of compliance, the importance of of following the regulatory rules, the importance of of building a startup in the construct of, of regu- regulation rules, right? And so, yes, we can act nimble and be a startup, but we also have to, you know, make make sure that we're Building a, a stable, you know, company that's going to be here for generations. That's one thing that I, I think is understated in a business like this. You have to set it up correctly, and you have to think long term in everything you do, from security to compliance to the way you build your products, and, and that's really important. That's one thing I've learned. And also for me, you know, I've, I've done this before. I've seen this movie. I mean, Edge Trade was just a few people in a room, and we grew it to, you know, sixty-seven people. Sold it, and then saw Edge Trade grow inside of Knight and I think this movie is very similar to that. It's, you know, now, you know it was Eddie and I in a room and now we have over 200 employees here in New York City. So we're scaling and we need to make sure that we keep a culture that supports our values and our mission and, and, and continue to build great, great products and services as we scale. It's just, it's just so fun, I have to be honest. This is, this is the, this is the, the coolest thing I think I've done in my career yet because it's, for, for Stash, the audience is so big. There's there's over 100 million people in the U.S. alone that
0: need a company like Stash in their life. So that's that's really interesting background. Um, I'm curious, how did you and Ed decide to go uh, and and do something entrepreneurial together? I've, I've heard in the past other entrepreneurs describe the decision to um to work with a co-founder as being something akin to marrying somebody um how did you guys decide that you were the right fit to work together and then how how has that relationship evolved as you've got a stash off the ground well first of all ed is my second wife <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean to be honest you have to like
1: each other i think that's really important i mean i i got to work with ed for over two years in my at our last job and i like ed first of all ed's australian so it's He's pretty cool. He's a nice guy. And he knows he – knows, I like the way he says fear but, but seriously, I mean, you have to balance each other. And Ed and I are a very good counterbalance to each other. I mean, I I have, a, you know, deep expertise on the technology side, on the, you know, building startup side. Ed has deep expertise on uh, investing, wealth management, and Ed's an amazing entrepreneur, and I respect the hell out of Ed. And so I feel like the two of us together are a good balance, plus – the truth is, it's just like a good, healthy marriage. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to share and talk. And, and that's something that Ed and I have to work at. I mean, it's not all roses. It's just like a marriage, right? And that, I feel like Ed and I have been on this journey now for almost five years together. And, yeah, I'm good. And I feel like he, you know, if he was sitting here, he'd say the same thing. Good communication and liking each other. I mean, if you dislike your co-founder right from the beginning, it's a bit, that's just no good. You know, it's not going to work. So, mm-hmm. and. and you know, honesty and 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 respect and good communication are super important. And you know, you marry that with a little bit of you know a lot of transparency, so you're communicating and there's no secrets. It, it works. Eddie and I have a good formula. You know, we we over communicate with each other in the morning about the things that we're focused on, the things that we're working on, and then for the rest of the day we kind of go our separate ways. So mm-hmm. we're not always on top of each other, but you know, but communication is is a good is a good glue that keeps you know, me and him working very well together.
0: That's great, and and it's obviously been working well. So turning a little bit to Stash as a product, um, could you tell us a little bit about how it works and what you think makes it different?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, for us, there's, there's a lot of things that we've done, and it's interesting because the, the core of, of Stash really, we, we think about this company almost from a blueprint perspective. And when we think about financial services, and when we're starting out, you know, we wanted to do a lot of things. And we had to think about what the blueprints of would look like. And when you hear, you know, you think about over the last, you know, last 10 plus years, you know, it started out this movement of unbundling. We're going to take a bank and we're going to break it apart. You know, I'm going to build the banking part. I'm going to build the investing. I'm going to build the retirement. And it's all kind of separate, disorganized, chaotic apps and companies. When we think about what the future of financial services looks like, we see a blueprint that doesn't look like, one of the big incumbent banks, it looks like the customer at the center. And everything comes off of that. And so the customer deserves a hyper personalized platform that gives them advice, guidance, education, but most importantly simplicity. Because I'm not building stash for people that are worth a billion dollars. I'm building stash for the for your you know your amazing American, which, you know, household income is about fifty thousand dollars you know, Stash customers, on average, about 29 years old. They're geographically spread throughout the U.S., and they work for America's top employers. Right? So when you think about what Stash is, it's a few things. One, I want to make it super easy for you to start so you can come and open an account in about two minutes. The second thing is I want to get rid of all the barriers that have been put up in front of you that have kept you from investing either in your in a taxable account or for retirement. So you can come here and you start with $5. And then from there, you can make it habitual and get on a journey. All the while, we're giving you education. We're teaching you. And these are really, really important things. And now, you know, if you look at the blueprint of what we're building, over the last, you know, three years, our customers have asked us for banking. So we went out and found a partner in Green Dot, Green Dot Bank, who are awesome, and we just started rolling out banking services to our clients. The same fundamental things apply with advice, and guidance, and education, not just in investing, but in your personal finances and the way you spend money. The same thing applies to retirement. The same thing applies to insurance on stash. So you can get this personalized experience in a super simple way. It gives you opportunity to do these things that maybe you either felt
0: excluded from or couldn't afford to do before. Yeah, that makes total sense. As a 27-year-old, I very much sympathize with that <laughs> with that mission statement. Um, I'm I'm looking at a statistic right now that says that by 2030, millennials are expected to control as much as 20 trillion dollars of assets globally, and inherit another 30 trillion of assets from their parents by 2050. So, in this in this amazingly you know fast growing, very large uh, industry of wealth management, how do you see the landscape evolving as it becomes more digitized? As um, companies like Stash revolutionize the space and take the place that in, of what incumbent wealth managers did for our parents. How do you see companies like Stash doing the same service and more for you know my generation?
1: So there's yeah there's I mean there's there's kind of two
0: answers to this question.
1: We'll, we'll start with the with the reality of what America looks like right now. You know one one stat that we're really really proud of here. Is that 86% of Stash customers are first-time or beginner investors? So they're not coming from wealth. They're not coming from a place of, of you know, generational wealth. They they are you know your typical American. Now we got to remember what America looks like right now. America, you know, represents well a stat about America is that 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and about 60% of Americans can't come up with $500 in a medical emergency. This is a pretty insane stat. And 60% of millennials are not saving for retirement. So when you think about those three stats, and the 86% of staff customers are coming here as first-timers or beginners, we see a world where we are digitizing financial services for a massive market, and this is the way that they do business into the future. As for the, you know, this mass wealth transfer, which is a reality and it is coming, you know, we think a lot about our product stash and the direction we're taking it. You know, when we started out, and and still today, we're not a robo-advisor. We didn't build an AUM-dependent model so that, you know, we only want rich people or people with a lot of money to come here. It's actually not that at all. You know, if we see demands for more wealth to come out of the platform, I mean, we're a software company. We can easily do that, but that's not the focus right now. I think that we will definitely see more and more of these products become digitized into the future. Because there's a reality, right? People don't want to call up a, an old school investment advisor who probably doesn't give a shit about them because they don't have enough money. So we're going to stay focused on the 100 plus million people in this country that need digitized advice, need to start thinking about their future, and want to make a change in their life. And, that, and that's the part that we're most excited about. As for the $30 trillion in, in you know, change that from, you know, the, the, the parents, uh, uh, giving the money to the kids over time, we'll get there in time. But so right
0: now, we have to stay focused as a startup. That that makes absolute sense. So going back to what you mentioned a little bit earlier about the the blueprint that you use to think about Stash, you mentioned the expansion to banking services. I'm curious, what's the the, the ultimate vision for Stash? Um, how do you guys think about your business? You know, five, ten years down the road, um, does that does that mean expanding into other, let's uh, say, lending services or um, other sorts of, of banking services? I'm curious how you guys think about that. Yes, um, but all in due time.
1: So we we are on a path to become a full service financial company for our customers. And you know, when we think about this, we have a we have a long time horizon. This can't be done overnight. I mean. It, maybe it can, but we'll break, and, and I think our focus will, will, will change. So, you know, banking was the was the next step in our journey, and, and banking really to be honest came from our customers. I mean, it, it's in our original uh, business plan, but at the end of the day, our customers needed it, and and, and the reason why is that the average desk customer pays about three hundred and about three hundred and sixty dollars a year in banking fees. That's too much, and when you think about that, that's monthly fees, overdraft fees. But then when you think about you know Another step that just blows my mind, I get flabbergasted when I even talk about it, is about 30% of our customers pay $70 a month in banking fees. Now, if you take that money for your average American who makes $50,000 household and put it in their retirement account, it changes their life. Completely changes their life 20, 30 years from now. And we couldn't sit back and watch this anymore. So we went out and spoke to our clients and said, if we actually built you a banking product that gave you advice and gave you guidance, it gave you education on the way you spend the money during the month, and helped you save more, at least helped you understand where you're spending it, would you use it? And the vast majority said they would change and make it the primary bank before they even saw the product. So that alone said, like, well, we need to really think about this. And we spent about a year building it and, you know, really working hard with our partner at Green Dot and uh, rolled it out to clients. Uh, we really just started rolling it out about two weeks ago. But right now, you know, our main focus is on iterating and perfecting the products that we have built, which is you know investing, retirement, banking, and insurance. These are really important pieces of our clients' financial lives, and we have a lot more work to do. But we'll we'll get you know in the coming years, we have a lot to do, and we're not going anywhere. So we're going to keep having fun and helping people.
0: And and it's interesting that it all comes back to the customer. You mentioned that your customers started asking for this, and that was really the, the impetus for building out the uh, the banking offering that you're uh, just now rolling out. So, so as you're building this out, I um, know at least from my own experience thinking about digital banks, uh, one thing that's difficult to crack the nut on is, is for a bank to still provide access to cash um, because cash is um, it, it's still fairly popular in today's day and age. Is that something that you guys have had to think about a lot as you've built out your um the, the digital offering that you have?
1: We, we did think about it a lot. And, and one of the reasons we uh, partnered with Green Dot is that uh, there are thousands of retail uh, uh, retail locations across the U.S., including uh, CBS and Dwayne Reed right now, and more are coming, where you could go in and deposit cash into your account uh, at checkout. And then as far as taking cash out, there's a, you know, a, a massive ATM network throughout the U.S., and I believe that, about 19,000 of them are fee-free, and so you can get cash in and you can get cash out. Uh, and, that, and that was really important to us because cash, even though we're, we're, we are quickly moving uh, to a cashless society it's still going to take some more time, cash is still used. And mm-hmm. so that was something important to us. Yeah, And, and you know, for us, you know, I just want to go back to a point you made about my point about the customer. At the end of the day... A business like this doesn't work unless you're solving problems that the customer has. You know, and and I like to think about this. It's just, can we be a painkiller to a real problem? And if you think about a lot of startups, why startups fail, they're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. We're trying to solve problems that are really, really pervasive and massive in our clients' lives. And everything we do that's impactful, we try to involve our customers in in finding the painkiller. And I feel like that's really important and it's lost in a lot of startups. And, and in and a lot of cases, it's the difference of succeeding and failing. So I, I, mm-hmm. I can't talk enough about that. And you know, just listening to the customers and 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 doing the UXR and bringing your customers and talking to them, they'll tell you what they need. They'll tell you the
0: perfect product. You just mm-hmm. have to listen. And you said you're you're two weeks in now. You're you're rolling out the new digital banking offering. Have you received any feedback from your customers on how it's going so far? non-stop feedback yeah a lot of feedback people are liking
1: it though I mean we have, a, we have a lot of work to do so you know one of the things that we did and we're really really happy about is we went out a few months back and, and uh, said to our customers here's the here's the banking product that you're going to that we're going to be launching uh, with our partner Green Dot here's the functionality here's what it does here's what the card looks like if you want to get on the waiting list you can sign up and you have to pre-deposit money into your account now We'd don't almost 100,000 people do that and it showed an incredible intent for our customers, uh, you know, intent behind our, behind what the power of this banking product does and the reason why we built it. And so now literally we're just cycling through the 100,000 people and releasing it. But it was a really good early indication that the product that we're building, the product, you know, our team here has been really working hard for for a year, over a year now is resonating, and so like you know for us it's about getting more and more feedback and iterating and iterating and getting feedback and iterating. And the truth is, we're going to be doing that probably forever, constantly learning and iterating.
0: So, so uh, as, as you as you have been growing and expanding into you know different ancillary services, um. How do you, how do you see the competitive landscape in in wealth tech? I mean, there's a, there's a number of players offering maybe not services as expansive as Stash, but similar services. I'm curious how you kind of view your competition and is it more of a co-opetition? Are you guys working kind of hand in hand to help um, customers kind of achieve these goals um, versus you know incumbent wealth managers and banks, or is it is it kind of a, more of a land grab?
1: You know, I you know, I think we're we're we, we as are disruptive and we're disruptive in the purest form is that we're creating a massive new market. It's not like I'm going out and trying to get, you know, at least on the investing and retire side, I'm not trying to take another wealth manager's accounts and move them here. I don't even support ACAPS. So you have to open a new account uh, to funds on retirement and invest. And and one of the things I think a lot about is, you know. Try going to an incumbent uh, wealth manager with a hundred dollars, fifty dollars. See how you're treated. See if they even want to sit down with you. Try to get a comprehensive side made with fifty bucks. Right? It's just it's the, the big incumbents and the big wealth managers are not geared towards this type of client. They, they are not thinking about the close to you know it's 110 plus million Americans that have less than a hundred thousand dollars that represent our you know our core customer. And by the way, we've opened you know, almost 3 million people in, in a little over two years. And we're just getting started. And so, you know, I think I think that the opportunity is massive. I don't think it's a co a, a competition I think it's it's more of different companies going out and resonating their messaging with different groups of people. I don't think it's a winner-take-all market. It's a massive market. There'll be multiple winners. There'll be multiple large players in it. We think you're going to be one of them. You know, I think that, you know, Just looking at the population of the U.S., you see that different segments of the population need different things. You know, a lot of wealth tech right now is either B2B, we're not B2B, we only deal directly with consumer, or it's focused on uh, the client that's more fluent, that has more assets. We're one of the very few uh, financial companies that will tell you to not invest a lot of money with us at any one time. I don't want you to. I don't want you coming here timing the market. I'd much rather you put... About twenty, I think our average customer puts away about twenty-seven dollars a week. I'd much rather you put twenty-seven dollars away a week and use us where you can and stay with us for a really long time. Oh. Yeah. That's that's kind of the view that we take. So, and but at the end of the day, it's a massive business and it is going digital and it, and it's super exciting. It's just, it's just all upside.
0: That's that's an unbelievable statistic. Twenty-seven dollars a week. I mean the scale you guys must be achieving with that you know, type of average investment is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but remember, it's not our money, and that's the coolest part of it.
1: It's our customers' money. Right. You know, it, they're putting away millions and millions and millions of dollars a week. That's their money. They're not spending it. They're saving it. They're investing it. It's, it's so cool. And It just makes us so proud. So, you know, there's a huge mission behind this company, which is to help – our customers live that better financialized and it's so great to play a role in that so
0: it's really cool um i think I think just to uh you know just a couple more questions i mean i think as as you kind of move forward as stash continues to evolve, like what's what are the you know what's the thing you're most excited about um for stash going forward yeah,
1: I mean, helping more people. Just continuing to see our audience get larger is the thing that excites me the most. I, I You know, like any, you know, startup, I mean, we, we found product market fit early, thankfully. I know what's happening to our customers. I see the behavioral change and the savings rate of our clients, and it makes me really proud of, of, of the company, but most importantly of them. So for me, I'm most excited about seeing Stash reach more people. And in different ways, because personalization is really important, I and mean, everyone throws around the, the word data science and AI and ML, and I don't think half the people that use those words understand them. For us, you know, truly applying the, the craft of data science, and I'm, I'm really proud of the data science team that's assembled here, we're getting better and better at hyper-personalizing the experience to be able to give everyone what they need and not the things they don't need. And so, yeah, I'm just I'm so pumped about the future and just helping more people.
0: So, a very common theme throughout our conversation has been about the customer and, and starting with the customer. Um, can you tell us a bit more about who your average customer is, and then also how you've gone about growing your customer base?
1: Yeah, I mean, our customer, uh, our customer base looks like America. It's almost in perfect form. They're geographically located. Uh, if you put our customer base on top of a US geomap. They they look the same. They look the same uh, from an income uh, level. They look the same from employers. They look the same from an age demographic distribution. They represent America. And so this is a a user base, and and, I said this before, that has been excluded from from most of financial services because they either uh, don't have the financial education, which, quite frankly, is an epidemic right now globally, you know, financial uh, finances and personal finance really isn't taught at home anymore, and it's not taught in most schools, and it's a big problem. And this is, you know, most your, your typical American does not understand it, but they but they want to understand it. They want to be included. They want to invest. They want to save. When you tell uh, your typical staff customer about banking fees, typically your first uh, answer you get when you ask about fees is, I don't pay fees. Okay, and then you say, go back and take a look. Then they come back and go, oh, my goodness, I pay fees. I didn't realize it. How do, I, how do I use your product? And so these are things that really fit into, you know, the aspirations of our customer. You know, and I'll tell you something. If you go to someone who's a billionaire and you go to someone who stocks the shelves at Walmart, and we've done this before, and you ask them questions about their aspirations in life, you actually hear the same things. I want... Both will say, I want my kids to have great futures. I want them to get education and live a great life. Both steps will tell you that they want great retirement. Both will tell you they want health. Well, money can't fix health, but insurance can. In some cases, people can't afford insurance or can't plan for it. But they, but they have the same aspirations, but they don't have the same access. And that's something that we're going to continue to work really hard to change so that your Walmart uh, shelf stocker uh, can have a, a, a funded retirement account by the time they retire and not have to rely exclusively on Social Security if Social Security is even here 20, 30, 40 years from now. I'd much rather them have, you know, be putting away 10 5 10 $15 a week, even $27, every week consistently for life. Retirement is going to be fine for them versus their peer who maybe won't do that. And so, you know, that is who our customer base is. We interact with our customer every day. And it's really cool when I wear staff shirts to walk around. I'm starting now to see more and more people come up to me asking me how I got the shirt, which, which makes me happy. <laughs> you know, as far as how we get them, you know, we're getting them, you know, lots of different ways. I think the way we get customers now is definitely changing from when we started. You know, a lot of our now, our growth comes in from organic. So friends telling friends, you know, word of mouth. People bringing it up to you know coworkers, family members, and and that's been a big part of our growth. And you know more and more people hearing things and going to search, and searching for different topics. You know as we are around more as a company, you know we're, we're coming up in search and and organic and SEO, and and this is you know really important to us. You know um,
0: and, you know couple that with education, and and it's it's really coming together. On that point, we saw a great. Uh marketing campaign on your website, uh, titled banking revolution. Um, as, as you guys start to expand, how are you thinking about marketing? Um, have you built out a team? What, what are your, what are your plans to continue to grow, um, going forward? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of uh, a lot
1: of growth. People get confused. Yeah, how do you how do you effectively grow? Growth really comes at at a core from having a product that people love, having a good core product, right? If you have a good core product that people love and and you're listening to your customers, then customers will share your story for you,
0: and that's happening more and
1: more as we continue to you know focus on the product, and you know. For us, you know, in addition to having a product that that is being talked about more, referred more organically from our customers, you know, we have a a pretty amazing acquisition team here. And a lot of our, uh, you know, acquisition on the paid side is really powered by iterating and learning and testing. You know, we apply data science to, to our marketing. We're watching, you know, where we're spending our dollars wisely and how do we continue to invest our, our marketing dollars in a place where we could reach the most amount of customers that have the most impact. So I think for us, growth is a function of continuing organic growth, continuing to iterate the product and make it a product that people love, and continuing to be really smart with our our marketing dollars as we spend into the market. That's, That's
0: great. So switching gears a little bit, I'm curious if you can share what you found was, maybe the biggest challenge or the, the most surprising, the thing that most surprised you in getting Stash off the ground?
1: Uh, yeah, I think well, from a, from I'll tell you from a business perspective and a personal perspective. From a personal perspective, I think the, hard, the biggest thing that I personally went through, and I know uh, Eddie would echo my sentiments on this, is just switching my mental model to a consumer mental model. From a B2B SaaS mental model, which means, you know, even though I might think I'm right, I have to test it. And a lot of times, what I what I found early on is that I'll go into something with a very, you know, preconceived notion from my past, or something I might have seen before, or something I think I've seen before, and I'll, you know, in the early days, like I know this is going to work, I know it's going to work, and we'll ship it, and it won't work at all. And what I found is, I actually like being wrong. Which means I'm trying things and I'm being challenged, and I like the staff at staff to be constantly testing and iterating everything, mm-hmm. no matter what it is—a color, a screen, copy—it it just doesn't matter. I think it's important to constantly be testing and iterating these things. But we're big subscribers here to to lean startup. And lean startup is a is a was a very important book early on for for Eddie and I and a lot of the staff to kind of get that thought process of of going into. Uh, testing and iterating and making that part of your philosophy. So it's really important. I think for us also, it's just as a company, sometimes we're just surprised by things we'll test and they'll just work, which is really cool. So it's always about, you know, fostering that creativity in our, with our team and allowing people to know that there are no bad ideas. You know, the worst thing is just no ideas. I think that's something I've learned is that I've, I have learnings every day that, that just surprised me, and I think that's something that I think is really important for us and for any startup. You know, and, and then I, I guess on the on your on the company side, the biggest thing that I I am just blown away by, and I think I'm surprised by just how big the problem is. I you know I don't I didn't know how many people are affected by this. I mean I did a lot of work early on with Eddie to look at the problem. I didn't realize that you know people throw numbers around all the time, but it truly is affecting more than 100 million people. And I'm, I'm so surprised by how much money people, people pay in banking fees. I just heard a stat that the you know, overdraft fees, is like something like $20 billion a year in overdraft fees are paid. That's insane. That's just insane. If you give that money back to people and let them invest or save it for the future, it changes them. And you know, when I hear all these personal stories, it just blows my mind. So I'm just surprised by how big it is, the opportunity is, and it, it's what keeps me and I know the team – Fired
0: up every day to keep charging forward. Brandon, I think I speak for both of us when I want to say we're we're very excited about everything Stash has done so far, and how how low you've brought the barriers to entry um, for entering into this market for for people like us to start saving with even just twenty, forty bucks, um, and then you know build build from there. Uh, and we I think we just wanted to just both congratulate you on all your success and thank you so much again for joining us today on the podcast.
1: I uh, really appreciate it. Uh- I look forward to uh, being back. Uh, hopefully, the year with a lot more customers, and that's, that's the goal. So, thanks a lot.
0: Good. Thank you so much.